on this episode manchester united look broken as liverpool loom large aston villa or arsenal who's better place to take a stab at man city's title and chelsea remain the circus they are all this and much more in the tokitaka podcast latest edition of the Talkie Taka podcast. This today is a group therapy session. We've got two United fans and one Chelsea fan. We're sitting here without any drink in our hand, just trying to drown our sorrows. We're recording this after the exit of Manchester United from Europe and Chelsea were never in it. So now we're on shared common ground. We can let our tears roll and drown ourselves in our common sorrows to do that i have uh, ashwin and rk with me hey guys how are you rk you still in red always in red whatever happens <laughs> spoken like a true fan what's your talkie point my talkie point is uh, i think the most traumatic 5 to 10 minutes uh, you know of the of my recent past even considering united's form that's uh, i guess I don't really remember the exact minutes anymore, but probably comes between the 65th and 75th minutes where uh, United are in the game trying to score an equaliser, but no, uh, you know not getting close. And suddenly, uh, Bournemouth always threatening on the counter. Lotter the third goal goes in off a corner, and suddenly it's three nil. Bournemouth almost deserved, I guess, to score four nil as well, but they were denied by a handball. It was like. i was pretty numb by then so i don't remember if it's an offside or a hand uh, you know handball that prevented that from going in or prevented that from being counted i i would rank that as one of the uh, you know most traumatic i have felt as a united fan along with the what the uh, you know the brentford loss the second one of ten hag so uh, so there are a few that come to mind it took a fair bit of time on that saturday night for me to get over that uh, that game so that's my talking point Yeah, and I think the second goal came like two minutes after Ab on the group said uh, that the United equaliser is coming in the seventy-fifth minute or so, and by the time it reached seventy-five, it was three-nil. Ashwin, you have anything United related, or are you just ignoring them for the time being? Like, ah, kya? My blood runs red and white. I should say, so I can't, I can never ignore United. But... Uh, what RK mentioned made me uh, think of this meme that is doing the round. Basically, this image of uh, Homer Simpson and Bart Simpson, and Bart Simpson is like, "This is the worst day of my life." That is United Bono, and then Bart Simpson, sorry, and then Homer Simpson goes like, "This is the worst day of your life so far." So yesterday we we went out of the Champions League as well. So uh, that was another bad bad day, bad evening for United. But yeah, my for me, um, I'm going to go with something positive. So, uh, from the La Liga, uh, two points clear of Real Madrid. Uh, I think it's a bit refreshing to not see the either of Barcelona or Real Madrid at the top of the of the league. So it's good. It's good to see like some other some other team, uh, you know, at the summit. Uh, and I think um, Girona really dominated Barcelona as well in that game. So it was good. Yeah, and I think if you take out the big three, if you make all them, so for Spain, the last guy to win, last manager to win the La Liga, who is not from the big three, was um, Benitez with Valencia. So you have to go that far back. 
I mean, I don't think Girona will continue this till the end of the season. But yeah, as you said, refreshing nonetheless. Uh, my talkie point is something closer to home. I'm, Chelsea obviously is not giving me anything to shout about, but um, it was nice to see Raul Jimenez score a few goals again. I mean, ever since he had that knock with uh, David Luiz, he he's he turned into a pale shadow of himself. He was out for so long, and even when he came back, he he was very ineffectual. So it's good to see someone restore himself to an extent. I just hope he continues. Otherwise, Fulham fans are going to come for me. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which right, is I'm like, right. uh, we'll we'll come to FPL. Don't worry, we've got <laughs> enough to talk about there as well. Like, it's it's everywhere. Anyway, coming to Man United. So we we were having a lot of discussion on the group yesterday night um, after the game. Um, on honestly, I think probably you guys were hoping for Europa and. The second spot seemed a bit out of reach, but um, yeah, four points out of six games in the league as well. Bournemouth, RK, you mentioned that apparently some players not on board with Ten Hag. Things not going as per plan, as is Ashwin's airport. So, RK, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what's going wrong and how can this be fixed tomorrow? I don't think there is any, you know, quick fix. This Champions League group has, uh, you know, we, uh, like I was talking of nightmares and horrors and the Bournemouth day being the, uh, you know, one of the worst days I have experienced as a fan. But the whole Champions League group campaign in, in itself has been, you know, it's it's been a kind of a horror show one after the other. I remember Ole's last season, uh, which was also a similar group stage. Very, very chaotic. Uh, you could sense, you know, that, that, that there is no structure, no order. But thanks to, uh, you know, Ronaldo's goals, I think we got through that group at least. This time, we were not even in a position to be able to get through the group or anywhere close to that for that matter. Uh, one game after the other, we, you know, squandering, uh, you know, be it squandering winning positions or conceding cheap goals or lacking control. I think anything that a bad team or a uh, you know a team wanting to be a good team should not demonstrate was demonstrated by united across the you know all the six group games so in summary that was you know a summary of everything that was wrong with united uh, i was talking uh, to you guys about how i think ten hag hasn't really lost the dressing room yet uh, for me it's it's still uh, it's it's more than losing the dressing room. It's about uh, you know the ineffectual structure that is there in our playing tactics, uh, mainly in this in how our midfield uh, presses after they lose the ball. We are very weak on transitions. Uh, the second thing is how deep our backline is, which basically creates a lot of space in midfield in behind the you know eights who are very high. So that's the second problem. The third problem is that the fullbacks don't really press high. So, while the forward four or five players press very high and if Rashford and Marshall are not there, they're pretty aggressive as well. But once you escape that press, because the fullbacks don't press high, so there is a lot of you know space for the wingers. There's a lot of space out wide. And we have already talked about the space in the centre of the pitch. I think these are the you know issues. Like United kind of play like two different teams. One team is up the pitch one team is at the back and that it that you know that makes it really easy for the opposition to you know get counters try and control the game control the ball as well sometimes 
uh and if you look at you know and this balance is what we have been struggling to you know get right all season there have been games where we have pressed very well we have created chances on the ball but you know we have been leaky as uh, you know uh, as leaky as it can get and uh, you have matches like yesterday where we were pretty compact pretty tight pretty intense but then once we got the ball uh, because we were committing as many people forward afraid of the bayern you know counters uh we weren't able to you know commit enough people forward to you know create chances our, our xg yesterday was 0.27 xg4 so you know we we don't seem to be able to find the balance in every game and that's what i was talking to you guys about yesterday that i think it, this has happened in so many games that the squad has now lost confidence in what is the right way to play lost confidence in you know uh, uh, and uh, and lost belief in you know what is the right uh, way to play what is the right way to get results which is what was i think visible yesterday once uh, you know bayern went up or once they realized probably that even copenhagen is in the lead they just lost in any kind of belief morale yeah things are looking bad but uh, i think i am just repeating myself i, I just hope that ten hag is not sacked as of now i don't think he will be he, he, the club is not in a position to kind of sack a manager so let's hope that he can still turn it around i i see enough signs but uh it's it's looking very bleak right now as well ashwin what are the mitigating circumstances um, to this i mean we've talked often off air about the defense and the lack of people present who would ideally be in the first 11 around the midfield as well what's what what basically could you offer as a justification for that I don't know there are if there are enough mitigating factors, right? Because it's like, how many games have we played now? Some twenty-four, twenty-five games. We have lost as many games as we have won. Like, we lost twelve games the whole of last season. We have already lost twelve games, and it's not even Christmas yet. Like, you know, so you know, one, one uh, just because you are on that, Ashwin. One interesting thing I read about was there's only three teams uh, in Europe. in across the top 5 leagues who have lost more games than united one of those names really surprised me so almeria burnley and union berlin i i didn't know that berlin is doing that bad yeah union oh, is oh, doing berlin that is... i mean let's not even go there but anyway coming back to your question sir right like there seems to be a genuine confusion between the players and the coaching staff let me put it that way right ten hag obviously wanted to make us the best team uh, that can play transitionary football or tra- best the best team in transition football right and something that klopp has done really well in 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 a lot of games with liverpool he wanted to do that we did not start off really well we got those injuries to martinez casemiro eriksen you name who right and obviously hoyland his his major signing the one who was supposed to change things for him also came in with a back injury so he has not had the best of the starts the takeover talks have been going on for the best part of one year that hasn't helped as well there hasn't been any structure in the club now these are obviously you can as a rival fan you can say that these are all excuses that ten hag can use but these are not ideal circumstances for any manager to manage whether that's ten hag or fucking pep guardiola like it doesn't matter you put a pep guardiola you put jurgen klopp you put fucking johan cruyff at man united and i can assure you this will happen having said that 
Ten Hag also has to shoulder in some of the blame. We are relying on a player who was supposed to be sold in McTominay to get the goals for us. He leaves a big void in the midfield for the likes of Amrabat, Casemiro earlier to fill. RK mentioned it, I think, in one of our group chats as well. You put in Kante in that team and he's not, he won't be able to cover the gap that is left behind by McTominay just bombing forward. So, something has to change. Like, either the shape, either the system, either the players coming back who can do the job that Ten Hag is asking, asking them to do, something has to change. It doesn't look that in the short term to medium term, that will, that will change at all. You know, Ashwin, you also, you know, people talk a lot about number eights and how, you know, we have two high number eights and how that affects us. But I would attribute that as well, you know, to the manager because you look at City, they have always played two high eights, right? I mean, Pep was the guy who brought in this concept of, you know, two tens, uh, you know, in a three-man midfield when he did it with Silva and De Bruyne and all of us, or most of us, at least I was wondering how that's going to work. This season, uh, you know, they have... uh, you know, McAllister and uh, and the other signing, I don't know why I'm suddenly forgetting his name, the Hungarian. But, yeah, Sovoslai. Uh, so, so uh, you know, they are also, uh, you know, pretty attacking players on their day. Or if you, you know, bring in the other players also who play for them in midfield, it, it's, a, it's a proper 4-3-3 with two high eights, right? Again, it's up to the manager to bring in a system where, you know, the counter-press, the compactness is very high. It... Just because you are playing two high eights doesn't mean that, you know, you uh, naturally have space, uh, you know, behind them. So, definitely Ten Hag is at fault. But, uh, you know, Swag, you were asking about mitigating factors for Ten Hag. I think one one big issue is that, uh, partly uh, referenced by Ashwin, is that he's not been able to get rid of the players that he wanted to get rid of and, you know, probably replace them with the players that he wanted or the players that fit his profile. I won't say wanted because then... With, then we go to all the Dutch affiliations and stuff like that. So, but but getting players in with the right profile. So, however well Maguire and McTominay are playing, they are not the right profile of player for, you know, Ten Hag. Ideally, he would have wanted to sell them and get replacements. Uh, so, so that's there. And then you have, uh, you know, people, parasites like, you know, Sancho, Rashford, Martial, who, who just are not interested in, you know, playing his style. Or... You know, uh, you know, let alone playing his style, they're not even interested to work hard. So, obviously, you have these kind of deadwood who are still there, even after all the massive spending that we have done. And, you know, when you talk of the Glazers, we are constrained by FFP right now. And it's not necessarily because we have spent a lot in the past, which is true. But it's because of the debt that we have that we is basically holding us back in terms of FFP. So, uh, and probably, you know, when I was reading some excerpts of the Ten Hag interview that he gave to Andy Mitten, uh, 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 you know, a few days back. And he was referring to... So, so Mitten asked him about this Dutch connection. So, uh, and, and about signing Mason Mount. So, he was... Uh, so, Ten Hag's reply was that Mason Mount wasn't signed because he was a Dutch. Uh, he had played in the Eredivisie in one season. But he was signed because he was one of the best 24-year-olds in the league who had... Whose contract was running out. So... That that phrase struck with you know stuck with me a lot. So it's not probably that Mount was his number one signing preference, but it was probably the cheapest signing that he would have got in that particular profile, right? So when you talk of Glazers or you talk of people's attitudes, I think he stuck with those as well. Just on, just on the Mount point, this is something that really annoys me, right? Like I'm sorry, even don't even go go there. Uh, shamelessly smiling. Uh, 
he doesn't use mount enough like i i know he's been like mount has been injured injured quite a bit but like i don't think he's used mount to the extent that he would have wanted to use him firstly i for one don't believe that he should be playing as an eight i still feel that his best position is on the right and yesterday seeing antony and doing fucking step overs that led to nowhere i i would i was thinking that you know we we should have had such you know we could have had such a good right wing with the likes of sancho with the likes of mount and then we have shit like antony playing there i really feel that he should have tested mount out on the right you know when we knew that greenwood would not be available sancho would not be available antony is a dickhead so you know i don't know why he is not using him enough yeah and and you know you talk of people uh, not being used properly uh, one thing that confounds me is you know rafael varan he is not played a lot of games because he wants a passer from the back and yesterday someone asked ten hag why did you play varan on the left and he was like because we need more defending okay well to be exactly what you were saying i mean there are some things that are more important than just being able to pass a ball you you need to be able to have people who can you know who can press high who can put pressure and you know increase your or you know bring your line higher when you play maguire and lindelof together you are not doing anything to bring your line higher make it more compact at least yesterday considered that many chances so varan is needed in this team and the defender's think, job th- is to defend right to start with and the goalkeeper's job is to fucking save and keep you know <laughs> and on both in both instances we have the likes of lindelof who is error prone and he is keeping and and johnny evans who is like 70 years old and still playing and he's keeping the likes of varan it's so funny to see varan being the fifth or the sixth choice center back and talking about people who should be playing in their position and should be doing what they you know what they, what they should be doing onana he he cannot keep i i understand he is probably really good at you know uh, passing the ball to the you know to the to the to the, to the channels and like whatever ten hag wants to do and play ten hag ball but he he has butter fingers right so i mean what 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 are these guys doing like i don't understand like let's start with the basics first and then you can do all your fancy stuff think onana's obviously he's not worked out yet we'll we'll see in the future i don't think it's going to be one season option for him you'll definitely give him at least one more season to see how he's he's doing he doesn't seem like a kepa to me where from the first season it was like isse nahi ho payega so we'll see what uh, happens with onana but in terms of the defense you mentioned varan uh it's not just the defensive aspect of it it's also the leadership the leadership that yeah. varan brings to that in a defensive line which is constantly chopping and changing because of injury or something you would rather have him than evans no disrespect meant to oh, him and who is going to be the captain in the liverpool game may i ask there are no leaders in the team right like the, he gave the captaincy armband to bruno who's who's hmm. missing in the next game hmm. right Would he go back to Maguire? Oh, by the way, Maguire, Maguire is also injured. Is yeah, also injured now. Yeah. Who are the leaders in the team? Like I don't understand. 
I really don't understand I mean, what's happening. If if you were to ask anyone uh, an year ago this question, they would probably have said Rashford, the way he was going last season. But, but that's obviously not going to happen. You this have time people now. like uh, you know Lija and Casemiro who were actually in leadership roles last season. They are hmm. completely missing. Uh, you know uh, this time, of course, Casemiro has been in bad form as well. Varane has been missing mostly because of injury and also because he he has been dropped. Otherwise, he was also one of the guys. who might have fit in as a captain you know probably now uh, you know ironically it's going to be mctominay who's going to uh, probably you know lead the line and uh, you know captain I, in the next game i would have said shaw but then i remember that he he also went off injured so yeah so we'll 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 come back to united a bit more in our preview section uh but talking about another team and you you, you hinted at liverpool with all their midfielders and all of them bombing forward and everything's working out fine um radhaji was obviously supposed to be here today but uh, he's unwell so uh, we'll hear from him soon but uh, what are your thoughts on these guys they they also live dangerously it's not as if it's been smooth sailing for them against fulham uh, it wasn't fine initially or even till late against palace it wasn't fine and it was only the red card that helped them turn it around but they're living dangerously but they're at the top of the table and they seem to be gelling together decently well considering their midfield is completely all new it's a sign of resilience right we spoke about arsenal last season we keep talking about city and what they do uh, and liverpool are no different uh, i mean klopp is <laughs> i mean has come up with his own version of fergie time i would say like so many late goals that they have scored so many times that they've gone one nil behind and then they come back and they win two one or like what not um the fulham game obviously was a bit of an uh, outlier in the sense that fulham have also been playing well they have been scoring loads of goals so let's not discount the fact that you know it was fulham and you know um it was because liverpool were bad the games where liverpool were actually bad or worse than the fulham game was probably sheffield united um against sheffield united and against crystal palace uh but they still found a way to get those goals and that is what matters at the end of the day they have david nunes who has been missing so many chances so they could have probably scored even more goals uh and then we would have probably not been talking about all these things but you know the likes of sala the likes of luis diaz uh shabas like coming up with the goods like they have those players they have those leaders that we were talking about earlier who can you know smell goals if if i can put it that way so that's certainly something that's working um for them uh and i mean they would be like l- smacking their lips at the prospect of facing a united side so so bad with 13 injuries uh deal with themselves so uh yeah it's not looking good for united but yeah certainly for liverpool they certainly deserve to be at the top of the uh, top of the table yeah i mean uh, i think it's been a few years since uh, or couple of years for that matter since you know liverpool were back in this kind of conversation so they will also be i think pretty hungry uh, after the way that they performed last season not being able to finish in the champions league uh, to be back in this kind of conversation which they are more used to i uh, you know i i think that's the benefit of having a manager who's been around uh, swag for a long time you were mentioning about having a new midfield and still gelling i think they have enough you know very stable uh, people around that midfield in terms of playing staff like uh, you know you bring in trent alexander arnold or you consider van dijk 
you know you consider robertson etc right uh, alison so there are people who form a very stable base uh, while we can argue that they have also not have the best injury record in the center back situation that has been a fair bit of flux for them but you know when the playing style is so well established it becomes a bit more seamless for new people to come in and get used to that pattern uh, so i think and and they, they you know they seem to have a good mix going on in that midfield the, we we talked the entire summer about probably the number 6 position is something that you know will get exposed for them uh, uh, you know losing out uh, big signings uh, to chelsea of all clubs so you know but but that hasn't seemed to have affected liverpool at all i mean uh, after all that big spending and getting all the big names it's chelsea who are you know uh, who have been at the bottom of the pile uh, so to say so i mean liverpool have adjusted very well they have kind of fitted macalister into that number 6 role wherever possible they bring in endo you know uh, uh, whenever they feel that the opposition will be conducive for that uh, and 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 they have signed graven birch who's who's been also you know pretty he, he's had a you know really good start so uh, you know sobosley has obviously been i think the standout performer in that midfield for them so all of them kind of gelling together uh, trent alexander arnold obviously the experiment that worked for him at the end of last season that's kind of continued uh, to some extent this season as well and we have seen how he has intervened at the top end of the pitch when they have been struggling so i mean uh, like they wouldn't probably have got that point against man city if not for him uh, so 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 they always uh, you know seem to know at this moment i think since the luton town away draw they haven't really hit their stride properly uh, but but when you always see their attack stats it's always been pretty good so it is not that they are you know it's been a dysfunctional team who are somehow getting results i i think there is enough about liverpool for them to be optimistic about and you know once they enter this kind of momentum you always you always feel that they will become more solid than this so i i think liverpool are going to be in the title uh, contention this season for sure i think they're going to be I really feel that they're going to win it. Um, Possible. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, with the with how City are players at the moment, and you know, with Arsenal, well, Arsenal are there as well, so I'm not discounting them. But I think Liverpool have enough. Uh, they have the experience to uh, go pound for pound with City as well. So I think they're going to win it. But just one point on Trent, and I think uh, RK alluded to it as well. let's not think of trent as a right back anymore like he has been pushed uh, into the midfield and he's been doing an absolute fabulous job there um, you know attack was always the best form of defense if that's the right way of putting it uh, for him um, i think uh, necessity is definitely the mother of invention right and then you know that's what klopp did with him like he has been playing so well there um so it's probably the right time for liverpool to start looking at right back options because i wouldn't be putting him on that um and uh, i'm again i know we are going to discuss liverpool versus united later but i'm so worried about trent you know just exploiting that gap in the midfield that we are definitely going to leave behind um this is he smells danger he is so like he 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 looks for those opportunities and if you remember the goal against city as well it came out of nowhere everyone was tracking you know the front three and maybe even you know mcallister and the likes but he came out of nowhere and got that wonder strike in and he got the goal as well so i think definitely kudos to how trent has been playing there yeah 
and this is what uh, rataji had to say about liverpool what's up lads i'm sorry i couldn't make it uh, for the episode with a little got a bout of illness that kept me out this week but what a great week i mean as a liverpool fan if you had asked any of us at the start of the season hey after 16 game weeks or 15 game weeks whatever it's been you you'd be top of the table um with score scoring 90th minute winners in games like that uh arsenal and man city falling short in their games just looking at the position in the table and the points we have and the people around us i think every single liverpool fan would have bitten your hand off uh that's the overarching feeling that i have as a liverpool fan right now just an amazing season we're having we did not at at any stretch imagine that we would be challengers when the whole caicedo incident happened got rid of fabinho henderson lost them to uh the new the saudi league um feeling a little sh- that our squad was a little short we didn't have the center back that we needed as well and now matip finally got injured and showed that perhaps that was a critical signing we should have made so there was a lot of pessimism but from there to here wow i mean can't really complain an amazing place to be uh the character in the team is really reminiscent of some of the games some of the seasons we've had in 19 20 21 with with just not taking defeat no matter what uh, just clawing ourselves back into games starting with that newcastle game where darwin unes came on and we won with 10 men away at newcastle played amazingly with 9 men at spurs and somehow held on and then very unlucky for so many reasons in that game but the character has been in display all through this season i think that part of our play is reminiscent of a champions team and i can i'm like so encouraged and so happy about that but now a little bit of a reality check as well um, you don't get to score so many late winners unless you're in that situation very often and have we leveled this criticism on arsenal last season as well that yeah uh, they're scoring a lot of winners late and stuff like that but they shouldn't be in those positions so i think that's the the real takeaway for me is that we are not um, a championship team yet I don't think we're as good as Arsenal and I'm, I'm, trust me I'm shocked and surprised to see where Man City are this season but I don't think we're as a, as balanced as Arsenal are I don't think we have that much um, uh, the clinical nature of keeping a clean sheet and keeping teams out I don't think we have that which is why I think that we will we will eventually fall short of winning the title but who cares man I mean from given where we started brand new midfield pretty much uh it's it's an amazing achievement to for the team to be you know punching in this area right now so nobody can take that away from me i'm definitely optimistic feeling positive about the season and who knows man just stay in there for a while i know mo sala will go to the afcon soon and that will be a blow but stay in there stay in and around these guys and you never know maybe we can just give it a shot but great week great season bunch of other great games as well villa man what a what a team what a performance Uh, so yeah, here's hoping more things go our way and the Reds keep marching on. Sorry, I couldn't be there again, but I, I'm sure you guys did a killer episode. I'll see you guys next week. So moving forward, um, Ashwin, is it time for you to gloat with our FPL tips? You've rushed up to third in the league table overall. Now you can say you're actually in a place which counts, which matters. Your position is pretty high up. What are your tips? 
well i i would firstly uh, you know put in a disclaimer that i was a bit lucky that holland did not start or was on the bench because i had captain holland in the previous game against luton uh, and i had sala as my vice captain so i got the sala points um uh, but yeah in terms of tips i think all the fpl managers would be looking at just replacing haland for this particular week uh, i think city have a blank game week next week as well so it's about about replacing haland uh, and you know if you don't have watkins maybe try looking at watkins uh, gabriel jesus might be a good shout i mean we are only looking at temporary replacements at this point uh, just to cover haland for those two weeks Um, How far down will his price go if if there is a massive sell on him? I don't think many people would sell him because a lot of people would be it will be really difficult for them to get back Holland as well. But you know Holland is fourteen million, so you know you can get any striker that you want with that amount of money. Uh, I think in terms of captaincy, uh, though uh, Son is a good one. Uh, he had a absolutely fabulous week last week. and he has some good fixtures as well chelsea have some good fixtures but i'm not really sure who to go <laughs> chelsea is concerned swag correct me if i'm wrong is there anyone i should be looking at uh, uh, the the opposition maybe cole palmer maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah we yeah, probably cole is is a decent bet but yeah yeah i mean i've basically been struggling with uh, keeping haland as captain and suffering through the games because nothing's been happening it's been i think 3 or 4 weeks that i've been suffering because of that in fantasy and as well as draft because in draft you can't let go of your key assets obviously you can't buy them back and uh, i think that if sanchez was 100% you could potentially look at him uh from a chelsea perspective for the next 3 4 games because it's relatively lesser opposition yeah. but you never know with chelsea these days so probably worth while i actually i actually sold sanchez for uh, in the in the draft team i sold sanchez for dubravka mm. um, and he's injured now carries is potentially coming or de gea you never know <laughs> uh yes it would be interesting if david de gea was playing for newcastle against manchester united in the reverse fixture it would be really interesting but yeah i think we've mentioned them enough times let's talk about the dumpster fire that is chelsea as a, as a, as a chelsea fan i think i've reached that stage of apathy where i'm like carlo jo karna this is this is this is a dead season already like you saying it's been 12 losses it's not even christmas it's a dead season already for chelsea and it's not even christmas we i mean this there doesn't seem to be anything working and honestly you can i asked you guys about mitigating factors you, i i could list a few myself in terms of the injuries and and things like that but my concern and feel free to weigh in here because is that there doesn't seem to be okay xg terms we've done well probably won like most of our games the finishing is so atrocious the finishing is so so atrocious that it's almost as if pogba's brother put a hex on a different ground rather than old trafford uh and kunku is supposed to be back and even the chelsea hierarchy know this so much is because they're posting his photos every day on social media to quell a fan uprising he's coming he's coming wait as if he will come in and 
the expectation is that every game he's going to be scoring a hat trick. The guy who's been off injured for almost six months now, he should come in every game. He'll take the ball, three goals. Chalo, let's go. Apart from that, there's no structure in the defensive lineup. Reese is injured again. For his sake, I hope he takes the time to just get his surgery done. There's no point in coming back in March as is being touted. There's, there's not going to be anything left. There's no continental competition to look forward to. He can take the time. If he wants to save his career, and I don't mean this as a Chelsea fan, I just mean this as someone who likes to watch football. If he wants to keep his career, he should focus on getting himself back to 100% and try and fix what's going wrong time and time again. It might not be at Chelsea, it might be somewhere else, but get yourself fixed up. Uh, Gusto is injured as well, so I don't know. Maybe Caicedo is going to play at right back, which is which is silly. And uh, apparently, Dizazi is one of the people we will be looking to sell in January or uh, in the summer when he just joined in this summer. So yeah, dumpster fire all the way around and uh, not a hope in sight. We do have a few nicer games coming up in terms of games that can potentially give us an uplift. But yeah, everything's in the air. I think it's a weird one with Chelsea, right? Like they seem to be the kind of uh, David beats Goliath kind of a team wherein they get those results against City, beats Spurs, although it feels weird to call Spurs Goliath. Um, they got the result against Liverpool as well. And I think apart from Newcastle, they have pretty much got some form of result against every big team. Uh, of course, I'm not including United here because United have been so poor. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's just weird. And then and then they go and lose to the likes of Everton. And then was it Forest that they got a draw against or something of we, that? We lost sort? to Forest. We, we lost, lost to Forest. Forest, right? So it's it's just it's just Brentford, 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 Brentford two 0 Just so we, 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 we are having. A- Kind of Sorry. reached the place, Ashwin, where they have lost that as well, uh, right? Till the United game, you could say that, you know, they they are getting themselves up for the bigger, uh, you know, bigger occasions. But you know, now they are losing to the smaller teams as well. I think, uh, like if you look at the fixtures, they they lost to Everton now. Before United, uh, who who was it? It was, was it Brentford or someone? Uh, uh, I they, Brentford they was some games ago. Uh, they Newcastle. won against Brighton. They lost to Newcastle four one. Yeah, so yeah. it's that's the they thing. They lost badly to Newcastle, and you know that's where the wheels probably came off in terms of you know even I was expecting them to perform uh, better against Newcastle. For me, uh, like the main thing, you know, when Chelsea started the season, uh, at least the first ten twelve games they were looking pretty good in terms of their pressing shape, and you know we have already talked about the xG creation and they can't score. But even their overall structure was looking pretty promising, to be honest, in the first couple of months. But last couple of months, it's it's been, I think Chelsea have been one of the easiest teams, I would say, to play through. So, I, I don't know, in terms of the training, the structure, what's really going wrong there. there. There seems to be too much space between the lines. People are not pressing properly. There doesn't seem to be a proper, you know, shape, uh, pressing structure, defensive line. You talk of any of the things that you associate uh, uh, I, I haven't observed the set piece defending that closely, but uh, I, I think if I remember back to the Newcastle game, that's also not something that has gone well. So, you know, there have been so many, uh, you know, they were so vulnerable 
uh, in the in the at the Old Trafford game to you know crosses coming in or you know set pieces which were not corners etc. So I, I think they have been very very vulnerable from all types of attacks. Uh, that's that's I think the main concern that Pochettino should have or any manager should have for that matter. If if you have a playing style that is not getting reflected on the field, uh, you know, in terms of Pochettino being a manager who prefers a high press, uh, he prefers to have a really compact, uh, you know, structure. Uh, his his previous Tottenham teams were not. I don't I don't remember them as being uh, you know vulnerable to set piece defending etc. So, I mean, I think that's the main concern for me. For, uh, you know, from a I, I would I would be okay if you know you are generating xG but not able to score those kind of. Issues can be resolved with, you know, it indicates maybe more of a personal problem. But being, you know, so leaky, considering so many chances, the same for United as well. That that reflects on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and the coaching. Of course, uh, I, I am a strong advocate of Pochettino getting more time because it's basically he's he's it's it's similar to United, right? He's come into a into a fucking whirlpool where you don't really know what to do. You have a completely new playing squad again. We talked about Klopp and Pep in the United environment. I'm sure you put them in this environment with so much uncertainty behind the scenes, so much wild splurging, so many new players coming in. You know, uh, it's it's not just from a playing style or a you know a, a tactical perspective. It's it's from a man management perspective. Having everyone who's new also, you know, it 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 must be a very difficult scenario to manage. Having players who you don't want to be part of the squad, who you're still looking to phase out. So. I mean, a lot of the problems I think United, in terms of these kind of issues, I think United and Chelsea have, have started to increasingly share at the moment. Yeah, and I think talking about tactics, low blocks is something we are struggling against massively. Any team which has a low block, like we can't penetrate this. It's only, as you said, the high flyers is because those teams play on the front foot and they're trying to score themselves, and that is when we are able to fight back. Cole Palmer has probably been one of the few highlights of the season so far. Um, interestingly, uh, Chelsea fan account shared that uh, he has more uh, goals for Chelsea from open play as compared to Mason Mount. So, <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, perfect con job you guys did on us. Yeah, yeah, we said like it, jao, like it, jao. Anyway, so moving on from Chelsea uh, to some teams that are actually doing well. Villa, the surprise package of the season, up to third now, beaten Arsenal and Man City in, in successive game weeks. Uh, you can have as many new players as well. You can, but if you manage well, you can probably take care of them. And uh, Villa seem to be doing a stellar job. Uh, long may it continue. But Villa, Arsenal, City. I mean, right now it looks like these three teams are the ones challenging Liverpool for the top spot. But I honestly still feel probably like I did when Leicester was doing their thing that uh, Villa will drop off at some point. Because the big game uh, experience of players from City, etc. might come in handy later on. Maybe KDB comes back, Haaland is rejuvenated or something like that and City go on those crazy runs where they win 20-30 games in a row and suddenly you find that they've won the league by 10 points. It's But it's still nice to see a new name in there uh, doing well and uh, deservedly so. Uh, what are your thoughts on Arsenal? They are there and thereabouts. They don't seem to be going away. Uh, 
this time around they have already played man city once unlike last season when they had to play them twice immediately and uh, they still have a lead over them how do you think this is going to pan out yeah i, I thought arsenal uh, you know in terms of control in terms of territory uh, you know they came back into the game after considering that goal uh, very well I, in fact in terms of position in terms of you know dominating the high line in terms of winning the ball high up the pitch lot of things arsenal dominated villa i i'll come to villa in a bit but uh, you know i think the problem that arsenal are facing right now which has been indicated in the other games where where they have won you know uh, you know pretty late on where they have won one nil is uh, probably chance creation you see some games where the opposition tries to probably play a uh, play a bit more uh, adventurously against them and they do well like uh, you know they did against uh, I, i think it was lens in the in the champions league where they won 6 6-0 but in a lot of games surrounding that uh, you know they have really struggled to create good chances struggled to score a lot of goals and that's what i think happened against villa as well even though they dominated the game to a large extent of course uh, you know there is a lot of contribution of villa being you know extremely good defensively as well but uh, uh like the problem for arsenal in that game was that they couldn't really create enough uh, like probably they created enough to draw the game but uh, arsenal didn't create enough to win the game and that is something you know when you compare them to liverpool who also have been struggling to get the wins uh, but liverpool have been creating good chances and not really uh, and liverpool are not really very high on the xg against as well so there is you know liverpool are much more i think positive in terms of the you know the uh, like net differential than arsenal are so arsenal need to improve the level in position we know that they have not been as fluid anywhere close to as fluid as they were last season we have talked about it uh, previously on the spot that that is probably because arteta wants to be a bit more physical tighten up the off the ball issues that he had at the end of last season make them less unpredictable against the ball but i think he is compromised a bit on the ball they need to again get that balance in terms of you know being very fluid being able to create chances being able to score goals if they want to you know continue being i think they will be in the title race for a long time but if they want to win the title they need to start you know creating more chances scoring more goals yeah just to add to that i think there has been a few players where we have seen a drop off in form as well so martinelli for example is one of those um I I I I'm not saying that he's turned a corner or, or any of that sort but I think he he definitely could do with a few more assists and goals because that is what gets him charged up really um I think Arsenal are definitely doing what they are sent out to do they are getting the results I think against Villa they were slightly unlucky as well because I personally feel that the Harvard's goal should have stood I think I don't know what else he could have done to you know take his hand away from that ball like you have the same rule for defenders as well right like if if the ball hits uh, the hand accidentally it's not like we are giving away penalties or something of that sort so i think you know they could have gotten that draw they could have gotten that point and then you know we would have probably had a different discussion as far as that game is concerned um, arsenal are definitely there uh, i think they like liverpool also had that resilience the game against luton uh, where they uh, came from behind multiple times and they won it 4-3 eventually i think is testimony to the, uh, to that um i've seen arsenal teams like crumple um you know when they've gone gone back uh, gone behind 
Um, so yeah, they definitely have that um, inner strength to come back. I think Rice is one of those players that has brought in that metal as well. Um, so yeah, I think Arsenal will definitely be challenging for the title. We can't write them off at all at, at this stage. I think they'll go much further than they did last last year, which is saying something because they were in the title race until like the last three or four games. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, we do, we, Arteta would definitely need the likes of Martinelli and others to step up he, if, he, if he wants to really obliterate, you know, the likes of Liverpool and others. Yeah, yeah. I think Martinelli, I agree with you. That's, that's uh, you know, Arun was also talking about his poor output this season. It's not that he's been looking out of form, but, you know, that tally of goals and assists, probably two goals and, I don't know, a couple of assists or maybe a, a few more, that doesn't really bode well for someone who's, you know, kind of leading the line on the left side. Uh, it, it's not been a, a great sign. Even Saka has had a few off games, although his stats are pretty good. He's not, you know, delivered the output. Odegaard has missed a few games. Jesus has missed a few games. So, uh, uh, it, it's very important that, you know, they begin to strike a rhythm. But I, I think we should talk about Villa here. I mean, I was so impressed with, you know, okay, they couldn't control the game as well as they would have liked uh, typically. But I have always seen this in Emery's teams. The moment they go 1-0 up, and I remember it, of, of course, from the Europa League final, but also other, you know, so, so many other games. That I have watched Emery not just with United, but once his teams go 1-0 up and even against proactive teams who want to take the attack to him, he's extremely comfortable dealing with that situation. I have not seen a manager who's that comfortable, you know, defending the lead. Now, these are all basically, uh, you know, what I've seen, but, uh, uh, you know, probably the stats show differently that, uh, you know, I, I really need to check the stats, how good they are defending leads. But Emery always seems like he knows his organization inside out. He gets his team so well-drilled, so organized. I think Villa was so hard to break down. They were, uh, you know, marking, uh, like they have this four people in midfield, which is very tough to get through at the best of times, right? And, and uh, you know, the intensity that Villa have. Uh, Arsenal, uh, I, I don't remember many Arsenal passes, which, you know, where they got a free pass. Every pass that Arsenal made, there was a Villa player who was really kind of hounding the player, right? Uh, so, really, really good defensive job from Villa and Swag, you were talking about the players that they have signed, but I guess that helps when you have a good sporting department as well. When you sign the right players, uh, you know, who are a right fit for the manager, I think it helps them to, you know, gel that much more seamlessly. One of the players, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, like for example, uh, you know, Port Torres, where some of the balls, raking, you know, long balls that he was giving to the other wing, was magnificent to watch. Uh, Leon Bailey has been, uh, uh, I'm not sure if he slightly predates Emery or was he an Emery signing, but... Uh, no, I think he was Gerard signing. Uh, I, I think he came in just before that. But, you know, the, the, the way that he's got that team to gel is has been outstanding. Yeah, I think uh, as neutrals, we'd probably hope for Villa's run to go on a little longer, but uh, we'll see. Uh, on that note, uh, Ashwin's been hinting at this the entire episode. Let's talk about the games to come. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Who are you playing? Who are your 11 players that you're going to put out on, on the pitch? Particularly in the defence. You know, 
the first thing that i would do is uh, put a double pivot there i i know i was the one in this pod who was talking about you know you don't necessarily need to be uh, you know leaking like i don't know i don't want to put any metaphors because too many are coming to mind but you know you don't necessarily become a, a, you know a bad defending team just by playing two higher rates up the pitch uh but given that we are not able to get it right i i badly and given that bruno is suspended i think that gives us an opportunity to play uh, kobe mino and amrabat together definitely they should play a double pivot tighten up that area in front of the defense uh and of course mctominay then kind of uh, he's not an ideal number 10 obviously but then he ends up you know being that guy who kind of makes the attacking run in support of the striker uh despite his poor run in front of goal i think we need to persist with hoyland we we knew that this is not going to be a quick fix he starts definitely i i mean there's no other option is there i i could start a game better than marshall i, I think so definitely hoyland starts up up front uh you have i think garnacho and antony uh, again just by virtue of pressing antony deserves his spot i uh, like for me in the starting 11 uh i i know i i completely resonate with you guys that you know how shit he's been on the ball and uh, swag you were mentioning about i think one goal and zero assists in the last 25 appearances but i think we are out of options there so antony has to start so and at the back of course i would i would love varan to again come back and lead the you know backline there and the and the rest of it i don't think we have too many options i, I probably we just have three fit players who can come in the back line it's probably van bisaka dalo and uh, you know evans <laughs> radha's sick, but... radha's dream has come true evans is starting for manchester united at anfield definitely I, after that 7-0 i i don't imagine how united fans will be feeling in the lead up to that game but i i don't think after all that we have seen probably in the last one week itself that will prepare us for whatever is to come i guess uh, but but you know uh, one more thing that i think will make it very tough for united is alexander arnold we have really struggled with you know positional dynamism people changing positions seamlessly is something that has uh, you know been troubling united a lot especially in the wide positions so a full back tucking in playing from midfield is something that i i feel is going to create problems because the winger might try going after him and then you know sala will get company on definitely sala and liverpool top teams always you know they will always try to overlap on the on the wings with the midfielder joining in so when when you have a wing a wing back uh, or a full back exposed i think that's going to be one big thing that liverpool are going to look to exploit not that not that they need to de- depend on such tactical uh, things to i think to get the better of united but still yeah i think rk covered it quite well but i one thing that i would want to add is that one thing we can't afford to do uh, in this game is our wingers not tracking back the way they did against newcastle right i know it was rashford mostly at fault but it was also garnacho in that game who did not track back enough so we can't we can't we know that garnacho is going to start in this game we can't have him not track back the likes of diaz or sala or like whoever is playing on the wings for them um so that is one thing that we will need to look at if they don't do that i can see another 7-0 easily like the 7-0 that we saw last season we actually did not play that badly in the first half but you know things happened and then it was one goal after the other i think if we don't you know track back if our wingers don't track back uh, 
the likes of Salah, Diaz, even Trent, Nunes even would exploit us and punish us. Surely, I think Onana needs to be at the top of his game. He would face a lot more shots than he's used to, um, especially with the likes of Evans starting in front of him. So, uh, yeah, get ready, get ready for the game of your life, Onana, because you need to be saving a lot of shots. Yeah, just uh, the one thing that I'm hoping for badly is that Ten Hag doesn't get fired after this. You know, this is this has been like kind of like uh, you know the last game is associated as the last game after Mourinho got sacked after yeah, Anfield. Yeah, this is usually the game where graveyard. The, the graveyard of United managers. So I definitely hope uh, that doesn't happen to Ten Hag, whatever the result is, because. As I was uh, telling to you guys uh, in when we were discussing United at the start, I I think while we haven't got it right at all, but when I look at the different parts of the game, there is something there, you know, which can uh, come together as well. So uh, you know, there are games where we have been compact, there are games where we have attacked pretty well, where we show good patterns, but all of these things don't happen together at all. So. I know it's completely looking disorganized. It's looking like a mess. Players looking out of morale. Reports of dressing room undress, etc. But behind that, in every game or in some of the games, uh, uh, at least you see a lot of signs of life, which is which is not kind of gelling together. So I definitely want Ten Hag to be given more time. I believe that to a large extent the squad is still trying working for him. While they may not be having a good morale, they may be feeling demotivated, lack of belief. But but they still want him to continue is what I feel and I hope that uh, you know we definitely give him more time to continue in the job. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly I don't think he's getting the sack at least not before this transition between um, the Glazers and Sir Jim Ratcliffe takes place. I think whatever sporting decision has to happen will probably happen after that. In case one is going to happen. But we shall see. I think the panel today is united in thinking that uh, Liverpool will walk away with the points on Sunday and not alone. And uh, we shall see you after the game week. And uh, we'll be happy to discuss what actually transpired. On that note, uh, we shall say goodbye for now and see you soon. Bye.